0: Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at
1: downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the New Life Church Downtown Podcast, the midweek edition. Uh, you've got Bronson Duke again along with
1: Austin McCaskill.
0: Austin McCaskill. Uh, Austin, we've been doing this together, studying for about three months now. Um, probably about right since the beginning of quarantine. And I thought something that would be fun this week, uh, to change it up is to start with a pro tip from Austin, uh, a pro tip when it comes to approaching the word Austin, what do you think about that?
1: Well, you know, there are lots of ways to approach the Bible, uh, The main thing is to read it. Hmm. And um, I can remember when I was in like junior high school, I started just taking a, it was actually a good news version of the New Testament, which is an easy translation to read. And I would just read a chapter or sometimes more, but usually a chapter every night before I went to bed and I just worked through it and I'd mark it up. And sometimes I would Uh, put a date in it, and then when I finished, I'd start back over at Matthew and read through Revelation. Mm. Uh, When I got to college, I realized there was a lot in the New Testament I I didn't understand because I didn't really understand the Old Testament. And so I started reading through um, just a few chapters a day uh, through the Old Testament and to be honest with you, I'm kind of a slow learner, but it took me twice through to just get the plot line, hmm. just get a, a basic outline of what the Old Testament was talking about and how it fit with the New Testament. Um, but I think, I mean, I still, um, I kind of, I mean, at that, when I was in high school, there was a some people who spoke at a little Christian club and said they they had they'd just been married a little while and they said we were when we met we were both the same number of days back uh, behind in our Bible reading and I'm thinking I don't know whether I'm behind or ahead uh, <laughs> you know? and so that gave me some incentive to be more disciplined and I started to say I'm going to read at least a chapter a day and. Usually, at this point, I usually read about five chapters a day, uh, and sometimes more, sometimes less. I mean, Psalms I may read more, and uh, you know, Jeremiah, in some places, Luke has some long books, it might not be quite that much, but uh, that has shaped my life probably more than anything else.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: just learning how God thinks learning the story the things were important to him things that are not as important to him um so that's i mean as far as bible reading i don't expect to understand it all uh i still don't understand it all uh but that means there's a whole lot more i can learn Uh, but i don't try to figure out all the answers every time through i just look for one or two things to underline for the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, what that also means is that, um, for me, most people don't do this, but I read through a new Bible. I'll read, read through it once or twice, but then it's all marked up and it's not fresh. And so I'll start all over, uh, with an unmarked Bible, uh, every year or two and, you know, mark it all up again. And I have, Uh, I used to do different colors, you know, for different aspects or themes, and I realized I didn't have enough colors. Uh, So I started marking things like A for arrogance, C for covenant, uh, K for the kingdom of God that I just put in the margin. So I can kind of glance at a page in the Bible and look through my little letters and see what the themes are that are the most important to the writer of that particular uh, book or chapter or whatever. So that's just my own personal way. It's, I know everybody has a different way, but that's what I've done for the last uh, 50
0: plus years. Um, yeah. I like it. So your tip, so I, I caught a few things there. I think you gave us about five tips. Uh, Which is great, because you guys have a smorgasbord to pick from. But, you know, for me, the thing that jumped out to me is two things. So uh, the Old Testament, um, what would you, if you gave me the theme of the Old Testament, if you could just give me two sentences, three sentences, the theme of the Old Testament, what would you say it is?
1: Well, I think that I look at um, the kingdom of God the covenant of God with his people Okay. that God has a kingdom that, uh, he calls us to be a part of and he makes a covenant with us as his people that runs all the way from the old Testament, uh, through the end of the new Testament. And those are two huge themes to show that we have a God who created and loves his people. And, uh, has a wonderful plan that he's working.
0: I love it. Uh, I've, you know, for me, one of the biggest shifts for me in my Bible reading was when I discovered, uh, and I can't remember where I read this, but the term metanarrative, um, and that's, meta narrative is the story within the story, um, kind of the overarching story. Um, and so every book has one. Um, And so the Bible has a story, which is the story of God creating his people, uh, God leading his people, God redeeming his people. And throughout all of it, uh, it's because he's a God of covenant and he's a God of love. Um, And so I love that. Then the next thing that you gave us was some tips for reading. So I've heard people talk about this before, and I, I have a suspicion as to what your answer is, but I want to hear it from you why is it that you don't you said it gets marked up why is it that you read a new bible like why is it that you 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 get a different one that's not marked up because i want it to be fresh so what what do you mean by that like when you say fresh uh what is it that you're looking for
1: well i want to hear what god has for me today Mm.
0: not necessarily what he had for me five or ten years ago Yeah. Okay. So I've I've heard, I thought that's what you might say. So I've heard somebody else talk about that and they said that when they highlight, um, they tend to, so what another friend does is they just do a new notebook where they take notes as they go through it. Um, And they said that when I highlight stuff, I tend to just lean on what I learned before instead of learning something new. And so I think that's a great tip. That's a great pro tip.
1: Another thing that I've really liked is I read a lot of different translations. Um, there are a few that I get mad at and I won't read because uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot, I I don't like the way they're translating certain things but uh, generally i I've read most of the n- newer translations. Uh, as well as the older ones, and um, I, uh, a lot of times we'll get fresh insight just the way somebody's translated that. And if if you if you can read in another language, uh, I don't care. I mean, I'm not talking about Greek, but uh, German or French or Spanish or whatever. I really encourage uh, people to read the Bible in that language because uh, there are insights that you get from reading in a different language that you can't get from the English. Mm. Um, and like in German and Albanian, uh, you plural is a very distinct form from you singular. So if I say you, I'm oh, wow. talking to one person or to a whole group of people and that can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, so I, really encourage people to read in a, uh, if they have any ability to, to read in a different language. Um, and I find it very, and, and just in English, different translations. Um, I then look for the, the thing that is common among those translations that m- different people are trying to get at. And sometimes it gives you a, a much clearer picture just by comparing the translation.
0: Yeah, you know, that's something that in the earlier days, I I do it now when I'm uh, sermon prepping, but I don't do it as much in my personal study. And so in the early days, I would do the interlinear Bibles, you know, where you get a couple of different translations set next to each other. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I I like that. And so I think that's a great pro tip. Um, And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's really helpful. And so... Uh, for anybody listening in, uh, I think these are some great things that could help you in your daily reading. And then the last thing is you said that you read every day. Um, and so I've, man, I've heard some different perspectives on this. I've got people that I love, um, that love God who don't read the Bible every day. Um, some of them, they've read it through cover to cover a number of times. Like, well, you know, I'm not a pastor or preacher. And so I don't read it every day, but Austin for you. Uh, why is it that you personally uh, think it's important to read the word every day?
1: Well, for me, it's like, hey, I don't like missing meals. And you can tell from my size, I don't miss desserts very often. Uh, but uh, with the Bible, it's just the same way. I get hungry. Mm. Um, and uh, you mentioned about different translations. I use my phone to compare translations while I'm reading in the morning. With Mm. the version app, you can get as many different translations as you want in different languages, and um, I use that almost daily to compare uh, translations uh, when I
0: want to really get at the heart of a particular verse. Well, I think that's great. You know, i found for me um, when it comes to uh, reading every day, I don't know, I'm just not at my best when I'm not in the word. Yeah. Um, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But I think just practically, um, it gets me out of what I think. And it gets me into what God thinks. And, you know, you and I talked a little bit earlier Uh, off the record, uh, just talking about uh, the holiness of God and um, the desire to be like him. Um, And I know when I read the scripture, uh, it it usually becomes pretty apparent to me where I'm not like him. Um, And so I'm always trying to find the balance. I don't think I aced it at this, Austin, of reading through the eyes of grace And so instead of it being like, man, I come down on myself, I'm I'm missing it. I'm missing it. That's one side. But I think the other side could be, well, you know, I'm covered in grace. That's a good teaching. And, uh, you know, something that I'm personally uh, trying to focus on is just, man, like, am I living to please God? Because if I live to please God, I've found that my life is more full. Um, and you, you talked a little bit about that, about that earlier, but, uh, yeah. Do do you have any thoughts on that before we go on to the next, next section here of the podcast?
1: Well, I'll just say when, when I read regularly and try to pay attention, life works better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's like God has given us an instruction manual for life and uh, you know, it down tells you when to change the oil and it tells you uh, what grade of gasoline you need. And it's just like, it's like a car, except life is more complex. Mm. And um, it gives you, I mean, the Bible has saved me lots of financial mistakes mm.
0: uh,
1: from what it teaches about finance. It is helped me relationally to understand how to relate to other people, both, Uh, people older than me, people younger than me, people my own age, people I relate with at work, uh, how to walk in integrity in in difficult situations. Uh, Yeah, the Bible just, you know, uh, gives a lot of practical advice on what makes life
0: work. Mm. Well, uh, I think that's a great segue into Uh, kind of what we're going to be in today we're going to be closing out uh, the book of Philippians uh, Philippians 4 uh, 10 through 23 and uh, we're we're going to get into that here in a few Um, but before we do that we're going to take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back with you okay guys uh, we're going to be jumping in here Philippians uh, verse 10 uh, Austin
1: chapter 4 verse 10
0: chapter 4 verse 10. not Philipp- the, the, the elusive Philippians 10 uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 10. Uh, do you want to read to us and, and kick us off into the study?
1: Sure. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ, who gives me strength. Even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news, and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica you helped me more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches in Christ which have given which have been given to us in Christ Jesus now all glory to god our father forever and ever give my greetings to each of god's holy people all who belong to christ the brothers who are with me send you their greetings and all the rest of god's people send you greetings too especially those in caesar's household May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Where do you want to start? Well, that's up to you, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna uh, to let you kick us off here. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot that I love in this section. Um, so I guess I will kick us off. Uh, there's a lot that I love, you know, when you were talking earlier about, um, you, you were talking about how there's instruction for life and how to go through situations. Um, I think that Paul is giving great instruction here. So like, I think we've all heard the verse, verse 13, where I can do everything who, through Christ who gives me strength. Um, it's a great coffee cup verse. And I think if you isolate it, Um, you can kind of apply it unilaterally, man, I can, I can do anything. Um, you know, I can bench press 400 pounds through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, and while he probably supernaturally could make it happen, we could get a Samson situation. Um, I I don't know that that's necessarily what Paul's talking about here. Austin, what, what do you think?
1: Well, I, uh,
0: I would tend to agree with you for sure there. And I couldn't bench press 400 pounds
1: um you know the lord has the ability to do that but this is not likely to happen
0: yeah
1: um and in the context um it's it's helpful for us to to look at the context because he's just been talking about uh and he's thinking about how he's had some really good times in life and some really hard times in life. He's time at times when he's prospered and he's time had times when he's really hurting and hungry. Mm. Uh, And so he's saying, I can, I can make it through all of this through Christ who strengthens me. And um, it, um, as we look at, the Greek in verse thirteen, um, he says, "All things I have the power to do in the one empowering me." Mm-hmm. Uh, it the word is in dunamis, or uh, I mean, we say empowering, uh, but the dunamis is the power of God to do miracles and Mm. anything he wants to do Mm. and saying that God's putting that power in us Um, but the context is we can make it through life today he can give us the power to make it through life today it's not just he's not talking about all of these uh, things that we might like I mean Give me the power to make $10 million, or to become president, or to be an astronaut, or to be an Olympic athlete. Um, Yeah, God could do that, but that's the, what we're looking at here is, uh, Paul is saying he's thankful that they've been concerned about him. They've been, and the the word can also been, you've been thinking about me. Uh, you know, you're you you know you've, you're concerned about me, and you're thinking about me, and wondering how I'm doing, uh, and he's thankful for that. He's praising the Lord that they care about him and his ministry, and he says, you didn't have a chance to help me. And he says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, this is the opposite of the American dream. Mm. This is saying, I don't have to have a big house to be happy. I don't have to have a, bi- a nice car to be happy. I don't have to have a new pickup truck or an, even an old pickup truck to be happy. Um, now those are not bad things in and of themselves and God can give us whatever he wants to, uh, but he wants us to learn how to, to live in good times and how to live in hard times and not to have our outward circumstances mess with our faith and contentment with God. And so God is has given him and gives us the power to be content, whether we're rich or poor. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, to give you a little bit of picture of my life, I mean, I uh, was downwardly mobile for about 30 years. I uh, started off practicing law, and I, you know, I was making a good living working with a big law firm, and I did that for, oh, I guess eight or nine years. And uh, then I went to seminary, and obviously my income dropped, and uh I became a pastor and pastors don't make as much as lawyers do. And I did that for a number of years. I had a year and a half where my income dropped by 90% on my income tax return. I didn't really realize it till I filled out my income tax return. And I saw, man, I made 10% of what I did last year. How did I survive? And yet God was faithful. It wasn't a fun time, but God took care of us. And that gave me a whole different perspective. Hmm. Because at that point, I, it doesn't, I mean, if a church fires me, if a church hires me, if I pay a lot, a little bit, become a missionary, I knew that, I knew from my experience that God was able to take care of me. Um, that freed me to go to the mission field because I didn't know what I, how my retirement was going to work out. And I felt like, okay, God, if you take care of me before, and so I can continue on with that and be content. I don't have to worry about uh, the day-to-day ups and downs of the stock market. I'm interested that I don't have to, I mean, because that's not where my hope is. And um, yeah, Paul, Paul says he's, he's learned the secret. And a lot of times it's because he's been taught. And we, uh, we learn the secret by our experience, by God's teaching us. And he teaches different ones of us in different ways. Uh, but, um, and I'm, I know I still have a long way to go, uh, but it's so much easier since I had that experience back 20, 30 years ago, life has been easier since then, because I, I, I know that even when I don't have anything, God's going to take care of me.
0: Mm.
1: And I think that's what Paul is talking about here. Uh, God gives us the power, the strength, the inner strength uh, to be able not to worry about all the stuff that's going on. Um, I, you know, I'm over 60, so I'm a target for COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not, I mean, and I try to be reasonable in my Contact and social distancing and those kind of things, but it's not something I'm worried about. Uh, if God takes me, He takes me.
0: And uh, you said a couple things that struck struck me, which is one, and is the word perspective. Um, you know, I know for me, I feel like I feel like uh, you go through these ebbs and flows or at least I have, um, uh, you think, you know, everything, you realize you don't know a lot. And then at some point you get back to feeling like, okay, you know, I've learned some things. I got it together. Um, but I think in in every one of those seasons, y- you kind of get a, a fresh perspective and, you know, there's some things you just, for, for whatever reason, I, I don't tend to be able to learn them without having to go through them. Um, but Paul here is saying, "I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Um, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength." To me, what what I pull from that is he's learned the secret of living in every situation is to have faith in Christ who gives him strength and to draw his strength from Christ. Would, would you agree with that analysis?
1: Yeah, it's it is uh, it's clear that there is a, an underlying deep understanding of the sovereignty of God. Mm. And that God really loves us and really cares for us. And he's not gonna let us be tempted above what we're able. And he's, he's gonna treat us as a perfect father would treat his kids. And sometimes kids have to go through hard things. When my kids were growing up uh, and well, when I was growing up, my dad uh, a lot of times would not tell me what he thought I ought to do. Hmm. He would ask me questions and then he would make me make my own decision. And uh, so by the time I got to college, I was used to making my own decisions. I didn't have uh, some of the problems with adjustment of people. Uh, I have friends who, um, you know, don't know how to handle the freedom of not having a parent tell you everything to do. Mm -hmm. And my daddy hadn't told me for a long time. It was, I mean, all my life, it was hard to get his opinion out of him because he wanted us to learn how to think. Uh, well, wow. you know that's a, a a big part of life is 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 getting perspective to be able to make our own decisions uh, in the light of God. And uh, sometimes God doesn't just write the answer across the sky because He wants us to think biblically and to think, okay, how would the scripture apply here? What should I do in this situation to be consistent with the scriptures? Sometimes the answer is not that easy.
0: So question for you along, you know, this passage, and then uh, we'll either keep going or just park here. Uh, But okay, he gives me strength. So what does that look like? Like, let's get really practical, like brass tacks. What does it look like to rely on the strength of God day to day?
1: Um, well, I will say uh, that in this context, Paul is, is talking a lot about missionary support. He's a missionary. And uh, uh, if... People didn't support him. He would have to take time away from being a missionary to sew tents and sell tents and be an independent businessman. And so when uh, they supported him as a missionary, uh, then he was freer to go and, do the ministry that they had that had blessed them and they knew would bless other people Mm -hmm. Uh, now having been a missionary myself for uh, over 10 years um, i under i learned early on my finances were going to go up and down when i went to seminary my finances went up and down i learned a, a basic Principle for me, and that is when my finances are tight, it's time to give. Hmm. And uh, uh, because when I give, it's one thing to give out of abundance, and I like to do that. And uh, uh, I was just talking with my wife yesterday. We we get, we do give more than our tithes, uh, depending on how you compute it and everything. But we think we're ahead of that. Uh, by ways, but when you're hurting it, and you give away, it's saying, God, I'm counting on you, not on my finances. Mm.
0: My
1: trust is in you, not in my ability to earn money or whatever. Uh, and so we just learned when, when the money gets tight, it's time, to, yeah, we'll, we'll be careful with our expenses, but it's really time to give away. Uh, to tell God and us we're counting on you and not on ourselves. Um, Sounds stupid in the natural. Yeah, but I've been for
0: a long time. <laughs> it's it's crazy, man. It's like, I mean, again, this would be stretching the context a bit about what it's talking about, but uh, Paul talks about in, is it First Corinthians? He talks about how uh, he uses things that are foolish in the eyes of the world to shame the wise. Um, and he's talking about the foolishness of the cross I believe in that context yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a friend who said one time he said that every time I give it's like I'm saying this doesn't own me this doesn't own me he said you know for uh, for whatever reason this is actually a quote from Bobby Hamilton he said uh, the things we own if we're not careful will end up owning us Um, And, uh, you know, that's why you can look finances, uh, can make life easier, but they can't make your life full. Um, and, uh, you know, you can look at the wealthiest people on the planet who are miserable. Um, and man, there's something in the way that God has designed us that, uh, in our relationship with him, we, we seem to to flourish and thrive and, you know, I think you, you talked a little bit about, about tithing. Um, you know, there's lots of different opinions on, on the tithe. Um, I, have, I have my opinions, but I'd like to hear uh, yours. What do you think is the biblical perspective? Uh, is tithing something we should do in the new, in, in, under the new covenant? Uh, is that something that was just attached to the law? Uh, what, what's, your, what's your perspective on that? Well, Jesus
1: approved of the told hmm. you know, The Pharisees, when they were talking about, and he was talking about tithing the mint and the cumin, uh, he said, you know, you should do that, but you're ignoring the more important things of the law. Hmm. Um, I think as, I mean, I guess I'm not really concerned about whether it's New Testament law or Old Testament law or whatever, and if you read the Old Testament uh, and try to figure out all the way the different laws of tithing fit together, it gets really complicated yeah uh, it's much simpler for us
0: uh, though it can be complicated here as well uh, yeah with investments what, what what do you tithe off of you know retirement, all that stuff
1: yeah. Oh. Yeah, but um, I think as a general principle, it's good to give away more than 10% of what you get and really as much as you can. And the good thing about it is is I kind of see it as, okay, I've got a present day retirement account and I've got an eternal retirement account. And I need to be investing in my eternal retirement account by giving away and um so i think that's a a a reasonable and significant investment in it. it it sometimes it means i can think of a time in albania there was a guy who needed to buy a car and he needed to do work and all this kind of stuff he was a christian brother and i knew him and uh I loaned him the money to buy a car. And when I did that, I had to say to myself, okay, this is probably a gift, but that's okay. If he never pays it back, that's okay with me. And I said, Lord, I'm going to forget about it. And if you put it on his heart to pay me back, that'll be great, but I'm not going to worry about it. And uh, sure enough, he ended up paying me back the whole thing. But, uh, you know, I think we need to have an attitude that uh, we do try to invest in our eternal retirement account as well as our earthly retirement account.
0: You know, there's a couple thoughts that I have as you talk about that. One, you know, we talked about in the first segment, uh, holy living. We kind of talked talked about that briefly at the end. And I think sometimes when we think about that, we think about somebody with a popsicle stick up their butt, you know? Um, But I think about uh, somebody who has a really like wide open life. Like they're just, you get around them and you're like, man, there's something about this person. Um, Because when I think about God, I don't think about somebody who's stiff or unapproachable. I think about the creator, like this, I mean, this amazing world we live in, you know, he spun that into motion. Um, and I think that when I, when I think about having a generous spirit, I I think that's being like God, you know, he gave, he, he loved the world so much he gave his son, um, and there's sacrifice involved. You know, you look at the life of Jesus, um, he had literally the world at his fingertips, but yet he chose to love and to serve and to lower himself, not considering equality with God, something to be grasped. Um, and so I don't know, like I just, whenever I get around somebody who's got a generous spirit, it it, it electrifies me, you know? And I think that that's the way that God is. And then um, the other thought I had, if you go back, you know, for anybody who's interested in doing some more study, um, the first tithe in the scripture, I believe, was from Abraham to Melchizedek. Um, Melchizedek was the uh, king of Salem, the king of, of peace, um, I believe. Uh, so Way talked about it in Genesis. I can't remember what, uh, if you Google it, I can't remember what what verse in Genesis. So the, the tithe, he gave 10% to Mel- the priest Melchizedek. And that was before the law came in. And so then if you look at the New Testament, um, uh, they actually gave everything it talks about. <laughs> they, they, they they put everything together. And so, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different perspectives. You know, of course, you talked about it. Jesus, he upheld the tithe and talked to the Pharisees. For Callie and I, what we've done is we tithe off our take-home income. There's lots of different ways to think about it. You can get religious. I did this when I was not employed by a church and we do the same thing now. Um, and then at the end of the year, if I get a tax return back, I'll tie it off of that. But the way we try to think is any income that comes into our house, 10% of that goes back to God. And then from there, we try to be generous as well. And so, you know, I know that you could be listening in and all of this could be really discouraging. Uh, somebody could be listening and, you're like, dude, I can't even make my bills. Um, I just encourage you to trust the Lord. Uh, don't put your giving on a credit card to try to please the Lord. Um, but just pray and talk to him and, and do what you can. Like, you know, I know for me, when I first started giving, it was just a little bit. But it was something. It was it was a start. And so, again, I think it all comes back down to the heart. Um, you know, it talks about in the scriptures not to give out of compulsion, but out of a glad and sincere heart. Um, And so I think we see here, and you've hit on it. I was a missionary for a while as well, but we see somebody who's directly benefiting and not just them. He's not just benefiting. That's probably not a great way to say it. um, But he's somebody who's able to do ministry because of the giving um, within a church. And so uh, anyway, Austin, do you have any final thoughts on that before we continue? Yeah, it, um, I guess
1: one way of thinking about it is to see the tithe as that God has made the church the steward of the tithe and made us the stewards of the 90%. Mm-hmm. And so we give the tithe to the church and the 90% we have to be accountable to God for uh, and to be able to give it away. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, from my perspective, I see God is looking for his glory to be over all the earth. And uh, so we particularly give to places and missionaries that uh, don't have the gospel. Yep. Uh, and actually about a penny out of every hundred dollars that comes into the American church goes to unreached people.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh
1: and so that's where we target the bulk of our giving, not all of it because we give for people hungry here in the States and overseas sure. and every, but I just, I got really encouraged. I was uh, talking with a pastor that I worked with in Albania and he baptized 15 brand new believers last Saturday. Wow. Come on uh, down to the beach and, uh, you know, did it publicly where everybody could see, and uh, it, that was really exciting. It's a church of about sixty people, and uh, wow, fifteen new believers is wow. really a neat deal. So wow. we were thrilled. That was a, a church we worked with while we were down there, and it's exciting to see God continue to do uh, to, to work in them, and for us to be a part of it, talking with them, praying for them. We try to support financially uh, some. And, uh, you know, as God puts it on our hearts, we give more. And, um, yeah, I think we've got to be, Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a, I think, I think we need to be wise in our giving. We give to the places that we really, from a strategic point of view, think will make a difference. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I focus on missions and especially missions to gospel if we don't send somebody there. I mean, mm-hmm. there are still lots of people on, on earth today who have never heard the name of Jesus, have no idea anything about him. Or if they have heard, heard of, the only way they're ever gonna know is by people telling them. And so I think it's good to support the people who are Jesus in the flesh uh, to people to when they wouldn't.
0: Well, to kind of put a pin in this, um, you know, coming back to the text again, um, he talks about learning how to be content with whatever we have, um, and I know for me that I've had times in my life where I just kind of lived recklessly and then trusted God. I'll say that in quotes. Um, but I think what God really desires is for us to be good steward. Um, and, you know, so I've, I've got a question, you know, for anybody listening and kind of the application uh, for this is uh, when, when Paul says I can do, everything through him who strengthens me, the the context is the things that have been written about in the past few sentences. So specifically how to live in prosperity and poverty. And so the question is, have you trusted your finances to the Lord? Um, I think that's a question we've all got to ask ourselves and just something I would throw out there is if you're out there and man, it was hard for you to get through this because you're struggling so much in your finances, consider going through a financial peace class. Uh, we've got a couple of campuses in the area. Uh, you can go through financial peace and it'll be difficult. Um, it is going to challenge you. It is going to stretch you, but it's also going to show you what you value. And so my question to you, and this really wasn't the plan. Austin and I didn't talk, think about talking about finances this whole time. This kind of went a different direction. But um, my question for you to think about is do you want long-term financial freedom and all the things that that brings in life or do you just want what you want right now? Um, and so I would challenge you to think about that. You're going to go through it. It's going to show you what you value. But my heart for you is that uh, you you'd find financial freedom. And so um, the other questions Austin put in here is is giving a part of your life Do you give regularly? Do you tithe? Do you give to specific needs? Um, How are you doing in that? Uh, Have you ever given before? Uh, Maybe that's something that you could consider doing. Um, And the last thought is, do you really think God is going to take care of your needs? Why or why not? So maybe take a moment. You could pause the recording here. Uh, You're in charge. We're not in charge. And uh, you, you could think about that. And so let's go on to the final greetings here, Austin.
1: Yeah, uh, Paul in verse 15 says, As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you helped send me help. You sent help more than once. Now, I lived close to that city, except wow. called it Thessaloniki because that it's called in. We have trouble pronouncing it in English after uh, having lived over there for 10 years. But we see how one church can make a huge difference in reaching a whole. And I didn't do this because I just want the, the gift. Uh, rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. And Paul, again, is looking toward heavenly rewards or talking about their eternal retirement account, so to speak. And he says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They're a sweet selling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And it is a sacrifice when we give. Uh, we could spend the money on us and... Um, when you don't have a job, and I've been there, uh, it is a sacrifice to give, uh, but it also is a privilege to watch God come through in ways that you would not imagine. Uh, and he says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply his glorious riches. Which have been given us in Christ Jesus, uh, so that's a promise that God will supply your needs, and uh, I can say I've seen it. I've I've been with, uh, I've I've been jobless myself. I have lived with and had lots of friends who were making, you know maybe a hundred dollars a week on a good week and maybe a hundred dollars a month, if it was not a good week, a, a good time. And yet I watched God supply their needs. And, um, I, 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 try to be careful to, to say, I would say, you know, uh, Lord, are there some of these needs that you want me to be the provision for? And, I told the pastor of the church overseas there, if there's somebody with a real need, that's a a problem. I don't want that to happen in this church. Mm -hmm. You tell me and I'll figure out or I'll raise some money or whatever we need because we need, you know, we need to be the church. Um, And that church has uh, had a real ministry to the poor, especially during the covid um and they put together boxes of basic foodstuffs and delivered them to the poor in the community. Um, just you know, and they're a poor church. I mean, there's only two families that have automobiles in a church of sixty people. Well, wow. most of the people walk to the church because they can't afford the bus fare, and yet here they are
0: giving away. Uh, so that's exciting to see. Um, I'm going to do something real quick, Austin. I'm going to pause my video so that uh, that maybe that we've had a couple of audio interruptions. So I'm going to pause it, um, but I'm not going away, and so I'm still here. Uh, you'll be able to hear me, but not see me. Um, so uh, okay, let me ask you a question. Can I can I give you a, maybe a maybe this maybe an easy question for you, a tough question for me? Go ahead. Okay. So um, you, you talk, like sometimes I think about this and this is this is kind of a, a tough thought, but I think about, you know, there's times when, like you talked about, like God supplied the need uh, for people. But then we also see times in our world where people suffer, right? And people die. Um, I mean, you think about things like, awful things. Like the, the first clear one is the Holocaust, but then, you know, you think about what's going on with COVID-19, um, and how that's spreading and, and you know, people are getting sick. And then, you know, you think about starvation. So where maybe the question would be the, the apologetics question would be, Is where's is God in that pain and suffering? And why do we see God move in some ways and then seemingly not see him move in other ways? How do you process through that? Um, that's not <laughs> that's not an easy question. That's not an easy question.
1: Um, and I I don't know that I would want to try to answer that on a philosophical basis. Okay. But I can I can give you just a practical response. Okay. Um. The way I see it, when I see needs, is to say, God, am I supposed to be a part of helping solve that problem? Hmm. Because I can't solve all the problems that are out there. Uh, Only God can do that. And he says in Ephesians uh, 2, 8 through 10, that he's got a plan for my life and good works that he's planned for me to do and for each of us to do uh, from way before he created us.
0: Hmm.
1: So if that's the case, what I'm saying is God, is this part of your plan? Is this part of where I fit into your plan? And uh, that makes it a whole, a whole different perspective. Um, And it's like, hey, God owns it all. Now, as a practical matter, when I was in Albania, what that meant is if somebody wanted, I didn't, you know, announce this to everybody, but if there was a need that somebody had for a car and they had a driver's license, I'd lend them my car. I said, this is God's car. And you can, you know, uh, if you need it, you can borrow it. And, uh, I even, I mean, with our apartment, we had people that when they'd get homeless, they'd come and live with us for a month or two or three. Uh, if that, and it was like, okay, God, what, am I part of the solution for this problem? Uh, and because I can't solve them all. And I don't, I don't understand your big plan. Uh, it's enough for me just to try to
0: figure out where I fit into my part of your plan. Does that
1: make sense?
0: No, it does. I I think that's a great response. Um, And there's a couple of reasons why I really like your response. Because one, you're taking personal responsibility. So I think a lot of times when we see things that are wrong, we want to blame God instead of saying, what's my part and what's going on? Um, and so that's one side. Um, you know, there's, there's two resources. I asked this question intentionally because I think that we as believers have to wrestle through this stuff because, uh, these are the questions that the world's asking, right? Yeah. Is where is God in these things? And so there's two books that I'd recommend for anybody who's listening. There's a book called, uh, walking with God through pain and suffering by Tim Keller. Um, And there's another book called uh, The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. Um, I'd highly recommend if you've wrestled through that stuff. I actually love, Austin could have given us a philosophical answer, but I love that he didn't because you're kind of doing what your dad did, which is you're allowing people to sort it out. Um, And so I'd encourage you guys go uh, spend some time. If that's something you've wrestled with, wrestle with it, wrestle with God. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that he'll speak. Um, to us, but I think right now, especially in the world we're in, you know, where where is God in all of this? And um, I'll give my brief, but not a, a bow on an answer, which is um, we shouldn't be surprised when the world is broken based on our worldview, right? For sure, uh, because our worldview is that the the system in the world is so broken that God had to come in and uh, begin to remake it. And so it's interesting, if you look at the New Testament, there's a lot of parallels between um, creation, but then also uh, you know, the forming of the nation of Israel in, in the Old Testament. Um, and so God did something new. And so you know, the gospel itself, as I read it and as I believe it, is not that uh, Jesus came to just kind of make things better, but Jesus came to say, no, God himself needs to be king. In fact, God is king, and I'm announcing this kingdom, and so uh, the world needs more and more of that kingdom, um, but we won't see it until in its fullness until the end, and so that's kind of Bronson's take on, uh, on that question, but uh, anyway, yeah. I, I love your take, Austin.
1: Yeah, let me add one thing, though, and yeah. that's that it's easy to let that be an excuse for doing nothing. Mm. God didn't leave me to do that. God Mm. doesn't want me to be a missionary, or God doesn't want me to go down to the poor. God doesn't want me to make friends with other races because I don't have any opportunities. And, you know, it's easy to make excuses uh, without ever asking God. Mm. I mean... And, and sometimes God will lead us to do things we're really not excited about doing. Uh, it took a long time for God to get Beverly and me both together at the same time thinking, okay, God wants us to go to the mission field. And we had visited people in Ukraine. We had had some ministry there. We loved Ukraine and thought that's the place for us. And uh, we had visited Albania and thought we can never live there, and and you know God shut down uh, Ukraine completely, just shut the doors in our faces and opened the doors for Albania, and uh, it was not our first choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm just saying sometimes God will lead us in ways that are not the ways we initially want. And we can't use trying to be, I mean, saying, well, God didn't talk, call me to do that uh, unless we've really asked him about it and asked him seriously, is this what you're, is this what you would do with my life if you were in control? Um, and that's a whole different story. It gets, it makes life interesting and exciting and unpredictable, Uh, but uh, at least we had some of our best years in Albania. We really did, and we still have wonderful friends there and love talking with them and and seeing what God's doing, so it, I mean, God meant it for blessing, but we didn't
0: understand that at first. So I'm going to ask this question. We're going a little long this time, but I like it. And I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to ask this question. So for you, you've talked a number of times about things that you thought the Lord is leading you to do, right? Um, yeah. Whether that was going from being a lawyer to going to seminary, to becoming a pastor, to, uh, you know, going on the mission field, whatnot. Could you give us, like, what what is that process? You know, if you could give us a picture for you, of what that looks like, hearing from God, then discerning, um, you know, what's from God, uh, testing it, all that kind of stuff. H- how do you approach that?
1: Well, God has never talked to me in an audible voice. Hmm. Um, and uh, it, sometimes it's pretty inaudible. Hmm. Uh, what, ends, what tends to happen with me is that as I read the scripture and go to worship and listen to sermons, God may be open my eyes to see things in the scriptures that I hadn't seen before. And I'll just sense, I need to respond to that. And that will be something different for everybody because God doesn't have the same plan for everybody's life. God does not, um, want everybody to be a doctor or a lawyer a Christian lawyer though we have some and we need them uh or a salesman or a pastor or a youth pastor or a missionary you know God's got different plans and he puts different things on our lives as we kind of soak ourselves in the word and uh then the question is uh how do we respond? And I, I think that there, uh, when we're looking at big decisions, we seek the counsel of others uh, in the church that are uh, wiser than we are, and ask them uh, for God's to, to, to ask. We ask them for their wisdom. I mean, when we were thinking about uh, going to missions, my first invitation was to teach. Hebrew at a seminary in Khartoum, Sudan. And we went to some friends and said, uh, we're not excited about this idea, but if it's something that God has for us, we don't want to miss it. Mm. And um, they all said, we believe God's calling you to missions, but Khartoum, Sudan, we don't see that being the place. And that was part of the process that we went through uh, in seek And then we visited, we, uh, we visited different places and, uh, we actually had people with us to, that were, uh, wise friends and counselors to say, yeah, we think that's a good place. Or, you know, one guy asked me at one time, he says, are you sure you want that guy to be your boss? Mm-hmm. Which would have been my supervisor in a particular country. And, he, he was wise and he was right. That was a good question to ask. And so I believe God puts things in his word. He puts things in our hearts and he confirms them in the counsel of uh, others who have wisdom. So, uh, you know, those are my three kind of tests, the word and what he puts in my heart about it and then confirming it with other
0: people. I love it, man. I think, um, I think that's so wise. Um, you know, often, uh, I think sometimes we, we, uh, let what's in our heart be the first and last authority, uh, which can be a, a pretty slippery slope. Um, but that's where, again, reading the word is so important because you, you, know the word, you know, God's heart, you can make sure it lines up there. And then also in the word, it tells you to have counselors. Um, and so I, I think that's so good. And so, you know, for anybody who's listening, you know, if you're in a decision making process, that's how I make decisions as well as I'll, I'll get an internal sense. Um, I'll talk to my wife about it. I'll pray about it. I'll look in the word. Okay. Am I in some sort of sin that God wouldn't, want me to do if I do this. And then last I'll talk to my friends. I probably, I may lean almost too much on counselors, but for me, it's been a reaction to when I was younger, I didn't listen to anybody. Uh, and you know, for me as a pastor, I'm a pastor under a pastor. Um, so as I make decisions as a church, um, I've got a pastor that, uh, I actually care what he thinks. Um, I care about his spiritual authority and I want, uh, his blessing on things and not just his, of course I want God's. Um, but I've, i found that, um, when you stay under healthy spiritual authority, um, that there's a blessing that comes with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I want the same favor that's on my pastor's life. I want that on mine. And one of the most practical ways I can do that is by letting him speak into my life and use the wisdom that God's given him. And so it's the same thing, anybody else that I let speak into my life, the things God's teaching them, I'm benefiting from it, you know? Uh, And so I don't wanna live in a vacuum, right?
1: Yeah, I wanted to add one thing because you see uh, so many times, in movies today, it can't be wrong, it feels so right. And <laughs> listen to your heart and follow your heart. And uh, but the Bible says in Jeremiah 17:9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yep. And so the heart by itself is a very unreliable guide. Yeah. Uh that's why we have to have the word and the council, it's imp- it's the heart is important. Yep. But it's not the whole story. And if we don't use the other things that God has given us, uh then we will walk I mean we'll we'll make bad decisions. I just really wanted to do that. And you know it really turned out bad. I was following my heart and uh I didn't realize how wicked it was, so to speak. Um, so that's just a, a, a thought that I think is uh, important to balance our heart with the authority of Scripture and the wisdom of uh, God's people.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look, I can't remember where it is, um, but Paul really wanted to go into Asia, if I remember correctly, Austin. I know you'll you'll probably know this. Um, and it said that the spirit prevented him from doing so. Um, and so Paul had an earnest desire to do something, uh, but the Lord had a different plan for it. And so what's interesting there is you're seeing two things, which is that Paul had a desire, which was a godly desire, but they also yielded and submitted to the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's a whole other thing which we don't have time in this episode to get into, but we plan in a future episode to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit because I think often, for me in my life, I've tried to—I don't know if you've experienced this, Austin—but I've tried to make what I want. Okay, that's the Holy Spirit speaking.
1: Oh yeah, that's—I mean—and it's—it's easy to do. Uh, it's the reference you're talking about is Acts sixteen starting with verse six and Paul tried to go to Asia and then he tried to go to uh, Bithynia and, you know, it just, it, God shut him down and yep. at least he was sensitive enough uh, not to go ahead anyway. That's because God was opening up the door for him to go to Philippi yep. and plant the church there that we're reading the letter about this church that he loved so much and they loved him so much.
0: That's interesting, And we'll hit on it since you just opened it up. Uh, it seems like God was speaking there through open and closed doors. Uh, yeah. And a lot of times, so my pastor taught me this years ago. We were actually ironically in Asia. We were doing some missions work and we just kept hitting closed doors like kept hitting closed doors, couldn't figure out what's going on. And finally, uh, we, we found out, like we couldn't figure out why can't, we couldn't get any traction. Everybody seemed interested in the ministry, but people weren't coming. Like what is going on? And so finally we found out that uh, some deacons in a local church uh, in the city we were in were going around and telling people in the city not to associate with us. And we were trying to partner with that church. (laughs) And so publicly, they had been telling us, hey, we want to partner with you. But then privately, they had not been. And so we finally realized, okay, this is what's going on. Like wisdom says, and I believe this was God speaking to us. Wisdom was saying, hey, you can't partner here. We've got to go find another place. And the amazing thing is that next church that we landed in it was a perfect match, like had the same vision, same heart. They were reaching local people. And I actually got a lifelong friend out of it, a guy named Richard Wells. She comes and preaches at our church once a year, um, has an amazing church there. But we thought we knew. I mean, everything made sense. They promised they were going to build a state-of-the-art building, uh, which I'm probably giving too much information, but it's long enough ago. Nobody knows. Um, but it just it just wasn't going to work out. But then God had other plans which with a much more small, uh, humble church. But that church has exploded uh, through the work they've done and the partnership and the gospel we've gotten to have with them. So it's, it's been There's pretty name, cool.
1: his name is Richard Welch? Yeah, Richard Welch. Yep. Because I have a friend in Albania uh, from England named Richard Welch, who was an incredibly effective, very humble, but very effective men, uh, missionary, in Albania.
0: Okay. Uh, no, this guy, he, he's, he's Australian, uh, and he's in Hong Kong. Huh. There you well, go. Uh,
1: anyway, that's just an interesting coincidence. Uh,
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, I, th- I think we're getting here to the, close to the end of the episode. Um, Paul's final greetings, verse 21. You, you want to get there and, and close us out here? Sure. Uh,
1: Paul never forgets that it's not just a church, it's people. Mm -hmm. And he says, greet every saint in uh, Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Uh, So Paul... uh, is re- really, he wants he wants to say hi. He'd love to give everybody a hug, so to speak. Uh, but he says, greet every saint in Christ. Greet all of them. Uh, tell them all that uh, I love them and miss them. And the brothers who are with me greet you. Um, and then I like it. He adds, especially those of Caesar's household. Uh, so his ministry by being uh, tied or chained to a Roman guard and has expanded to where there are people in Caesar's household who now love Jesus because of what Paul has been able to do while confined in uh, in Rome. And uh, that's kind of fun to me that where, you know, it's like the devil thought, okay, I'm going to get Paul locked up here where he can't do any of this. And now you got even people that are in Caesar's household, uh, who are wanting to greet and bless the church in Philippi. And he closes the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We don't deserve grace. We deserve justice. We don't want justice, at least from God, mm-hmm. uh, I I mean, I don't want God to, uh, I I much prefer mercy. Mm -hmm. And uh, God has given us his grace. And Paul closes uh, with that God's grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace, his grace, be with your spirit inside, that we can be gracious people because God's been gracious to us. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, I love it. Especially, you know, I love that what you pointed out, uh, give my greetings to each of God's holy people. All those belong to Christ Jesus. Uh, yeah, the church is the people. Um, and what's fun to me about the season that we're in, um, as a pastor is we don't, we still were gathering on the weekends, but the church is scattered due to health reasons, but the church is still the church. And the church is the people of God, and so um, our prayer through this season and uh, through these podcasts is that this equips you on your journey uh, with Jesus. And so we're going to continue to do these. Um, we may circle back and do uh, chapters one and two again, right, Austin? Whatever you say, I'm a- okay. We we may circle back and do one and two again, so you can have it. But we're also working on another curriculum uh, called Foundations um, and a series of podcasts. And it's going to be me and Austin for some of them. But I've also got got some special guests, some academics, pastors and friends from around the country, around the world, who we may bring in for some of these episodes. And we're going to be talking about what it means to follow Jesus, but really practically, like what are the foundational things you need to believe that you need to have in place and understand for you to really flourish and thrive in your relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, we, we hope these, these podcasts help you guys. I've had a blast. Austin, have you had any fun with this?
1: Uh, It has really been fun for me. And I would say if there are questions that people have about some of the foundations of the faith of prayer and Bible reading and understanding, you know, how to understand different passages, whatever your questions might be, uh, send them in so that we will know that and try to address them.
0: Love it. Uh, Austin, how could they reach you if they wanted to ask you any questions?
1: Um, my email is McCaskill at gmail.com.
0: Austin uh, McCaskell. You can see his name, how it's spelled in the uh, title, McCaskill at gmail. And then you can email me as well, bronson.duke at NewLifeChurch.tv. And you can also send things into the podcast email, which is at the beginning of the episode. And so, well, this has been a blast for me and Austin. We've just gotten done with the book of Philippians. Again, we may or may not come back and do chapters (laughs) one and two, but just keep an eye on this space because we do have more content coming your way. And so uh, let me pray and uh, we'll finish up. So God, we thank you for everybody who's listening in. God, we pray that you would continue to cover them in your grace God, that they would continue to look more and more like you and so God we ask that we as your people who are made holy by your son uh, would then walk out that holiness that we've been given and so God I pray that that you would help us more and more look speak act and be like you and God we thank you that your grace is right there for us anytime we fall short and so God we love you Uh, we praise you God, I pray that uh, you would bless and keep every person who's listening in. God, that you would go with them, and God, you cause your face to shine upon them. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I just want to say thank you for listening in. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.